0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. Appreciate you guys being along with us on this Wednesday as I'm recording this podcast. SMU lands in the top 25 of the college football playoff at number 25. We're going to talk about that, kind of the rankings and, and how SMU can end up in the Cotton Bowl. Obviously, some things have to happen. The committee did move SMU back in, though, which is a big deal, of course, and, and SMU got a little bit of help to make that happen, but still, they're in the top 25 now once again after their bye week as they head on the road to, to face Navy. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to preview the Navy game as well. And then on the other side of the break later on, we're going to have SMU soccer coach Kevin Hudson, who joined the podcast, gave us a few minutes of his time and his busy schedule as SMU wrapped up its third straight AAC title and landed the number eight seed in the ncaa tournament they'll play sunday november 24th just a few days from now at 7 p.m on westcott field against either nc state or coastal carolina those two teams meet thursday in the uh, opening round of the ncaa men's soccer tournament so appreciate coach H- coach hudson's time uh with us on the podcast let's get into the college football playoff rankings that debuted uh or not debuted, their third rankings came out on Tuesday night. SMU landed at number 25, Appalachian State at 24, USC at 23, Iowa State at 22, Oklahoma State at 21, Boise State at 20, Cincinnati at 19, and Memphis as the top group of five team at number 18. Now, here are some of of my initial thoughts on the rankings. And for me, there's a couple things to unpack. First of all, I don't necessarily have a huge issue with usc and iowa state being above smu where it stands right now they've played top 20 strength of schedules i don't like the fact that obviously they have four losses but when you compare the strength of schedules it it, it just it's tough for me from the com- committee's perspective not to have them uh, above smu at this point now two weeks from now that my opinion might change on that if SMU can navigate a, a road win on Senior Day at Navy and and certainly a, a Tulane team that look has not performed up to I think the preseason expectations for the Green Wave but still not, nevertheless a, a, a difficult football team to play against and and then a certainly a potential conference championship game appearance I would have SMU then above those guys, if, if SMU can win out and get the help that it needs to. Because I, I do believe having, A, a conference championship under your belt, if they can you know, beat uh, whoever they do face, most likely Cincinnati, in the conference title game, then you then you got to give them that credit over some of those teams. And I think you will, because right now Memphis, who's kind of the, the leader in the clubhouse with Cincinnati, for the AAC title, they're above them right now. So I think as SMU gets maybe some more... Uh, skins on the wall, you know. Win at Navy, a win over Tulane to to cap things. They'll move up. Now, I I think SMU is being penalized for for being a team that is just broken out this year. I, I don't think the committee, to be honest, gives a rat's ass about the 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 bottom. Let's say ten in the college football playoff top twenty fives. And it, and it's apparent to me because all right, for me, Memphis and Cincinnati, they should be above. SMU, Cincinnati's lone loss is a blowout to Ohio State. Memphis's lone loss is, is a is a loss to a, a good Temple team on the road. Then you look at Boise State and Appalachian State. I mean, those two teams, you know, Appalachian State's lone loss is to an unranked Georgia Southern team. They beat a pretty bad South Carolina team. They're probably getting a little bit too much credit for that. And then for Boise, they lost to a six and four BYU team, and, and so I, I don't see why. And and by the way, both Appalachian State and Boise State have zero top twenty five wins. SMU has one. Their lone loss being to the top group of five teams. So if you play it like that, SMU lost by a touchdown on the road to Memphis in a game without its top wide receiver in Reggie Robertson. For me, they should be nineteen or they should be twenty. Like, if you want to give Cincinnati the AAC East and say, okay, we're going to have the top two AAC teams right next to each other because their resumes are, I would say, at least comparable. That's fine. And then you can have them battle it out and pick whoever you want above them. But SMU lost by just a touchdown to Memphis. And really, I mean, you know, special teams gaffes and all that stuff and without their top top wide receiver, now Memphis didn't have Patrick Taylor either. But, man, that's a close football game. That I don't get the lack of respect for SMU at this point and what they've been able to do. They've had dominant road wins against USF. They were beating TCU badly uh, on the road as a top 25 team. They opened the season at Arkansas state with everything that was going on there an Arkansas state team that is pretty good as well this year. I mean, they, they're, they're on their way to another bowl bowl game for them and, and, you know, just want a close one over coastal in the, in the waning seconds. Um, but but look, I, I just think when when you when you look at what SMU has done, and and certainly North Texas has kind of come around as well uh, this year. They have all FBS wins. There's no cupcake on their on their schedule outside of Texas State, but they are an an FBS team. SMU, I I'm just kind of surprised at, at the lack of credit SMU's getting. Do I think SMU could beat USC? I don't know about that. Do I think SMU could beat Iowa State? Yes. Do I think SMU could beat Oklahoma State? Mm, maybe. Obviously, all of that would depend on neutral site, home game, road game, whatever. But I, I, I just don't think the level of athlete SMU has could could end up com- competing with with USC um, and and beating them. I think they would be in the game for a decent portion of it, but. Um, I just think sometimes when you look at those matchups, like I, I think SMU could beat Baylor because I don't think Baylor is recruited at an incredibly high level. They've got a really good defense. They're very well coached. But in terms of athlete on athlete, I think SMU would have a pretty good chance there. There are certain teams that SMU would be out, out-athleted by and, and there would be a very good chance that they would lose. And we'll talk about this a little bit later with the, with the SMU-Navy game. But, you know, you watched... Notre Dame, out-athlete, Navy, last week. And and it was dominant, and it was ugly for the midshipmen. And, you know, that what that's what happens when you have players that are that much better than what you have. And I, I think, like, I, I think SMU could give Notre Dame a game. I think they could give maybe Wisconsin a game. It, it just, there are certain matchups that I would feel better about with SMU. Do I think SMU should be, you know, this this well-respected team nationally? Where they're, you know, if they were if they were still undefeated, they'd be in the top ten. I don't know about that. Like I, I just don't. I, I can, you know, I watch a, a ton of football. I just don't know if they would be able to go in and beat anybody in the top ten. You know, and 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 that's just that's just kind of how it is. Just the the depth of a lot of these upper echelon teams are are. That level, but I do have a problem with the committee not not respecting SMU enough to have them right behind Cincinnati. I just don't get that. I don't think that's an issue. I don't think there's this certainly a a four spot separation between Boise State and SMU. I just I I don't see how you look at what Boise State has done this year and then the loss that they have and say, oh wow, they're that much better than SMU. I, I just don't understand that. So. Look, SMU has to take care of business. They've got to do that. If they do, they're going to end up being the top-ranked group of five team, I I think, because if you look at what they're going to have to do, they're going to have to beat a Navy team that the committee obviously respects or did, and then beat Tulane, a bowl-eligible Tulane team. I think they're bowl-eligible. And then go probably on the road and play Cincinnati. If you go into Cincinnati and you win an AAC title game, that's, uh, that's serious. And so I, I think things will play out well for SMU if they're able to get into that AAC title game in terms of the ranking if they take care of business. But I don't understand why the committee can't have SMU up there right with Memphis, Cincinnati, because there's really not much separation on paper and there wasn't much separation on the field between SMU and Memphis. So with that, guys, let's, let's get on to Navy here. SMU heading up to Annapolis, to take on the midshipmen. Saturday, 2.30 on CBS Sports. This is obviously a, a game that Navy is going to come out very, very fired up for. Uh, it's senior day. Navy traditionally plays very well uh, uh, on, on senior day in Annapolis and, and tries to send those seniors out the right way. This is a Navy team that looks a little bit different than, than what you've seen from past Navy teams. They're passing it a lot more. And and he's comp- and Malcolm Perry's completing 32 of 60 passes for 758 yards and five touchdowns. So he's had a jump in completion percentage. They are a threat. But look, the weather is supposed to be kind of ugly there on Saturday. Will they have to just ground and pound and, and do it like past Navy teams have done against SMU? Probably. But they do have the ability to... To throw the football a little bit they've added some new passing elements and then Perry leading the team in rushing with with over 1100 yards and 16 touchdowns and he, he's just he's outstanding he's one of the better ones that they've had running this triple option attack and then defensively look they're coming off a game where they were just flat out embarrassed I mean they they were embarrassed at, no, at Notre Dame that was a game that I think is is one of those performances that that if it wasn't Navy, do they recover and get out of the tank and and recover enough to to play a good SMU team and and win? But it's Navy. I, I think they're going to be able to kind of take that loss, put it behind them, and then play strong football. Now, when I look at this matchup for me, the Navy's defense is 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 pretty impressive, you know. They are a defense that's allowing just 321 yards per game. But really, they don't force many turnovers, which I think is a plus for SMU. And I don't think they're going to be able to stop SMU's offense very often. And, and unless it is just like really, really bad, pouring down rain, like real ugly, I think SMU is going to be able to throw the ball in this one. The wind is not expected to be an issue. It'll be cold. It'll be, it'll be rainy. But I don't see it right now from what I checked before I jumped on this podcast, it being a torrential downpour type of deal where SMU is going to have to ground a pound and and get creative in the run game and use Xavier Jones and Cayman Freeman and, and potentially TJ McDaniel and kind of you know, mix it up like that. But I, I, I think this is one where I think you could see it. Depending on the weather, I think you see SMU get up around forty two points and I could see Navy getting up around twenty-eight. And I know SMU's defense has struggled the last really three ball games, Houston, Memphis and, and East Carolina, but guys, this is this is just different. This is a different offensive attack. This is something that is obviously supposed to true clock, supposed to frustrate you in that regard, you know, three yards, cloud of dust, whatever, and then and then hope you get frustrated enough to make a mistake last year SMU held uh, Navy to just 21 points in regulation I think this is a better defense overall I don't think statistically it is but in terms of forcing turnovers that's going to be a key thing for SMU Navy turned the ball over quite a few times against Notre Dame and that kind of was was what sunk uh sunk Navy against Notre Dame and and didn't allow them to get really much of anything going offensively is, is the turnovers and so I think SMU is going to to try to capitalize on that and and try to make things happen and and force some some fumbles and, and do some of those things because it can happen with the way navy's gonna have to run their attack in in the weather uh in all likelihood so i i'm not as concerned with smu giving up the big play this game will could they yes they i mean they have not the last two weeks proved that they can stop the big play but it's very very different coming out of this triple option when you're in a box and you're not really spreading the field as much as as somebody like East Carolina and and Memphis, which are two you know high-powered spread offense, you know, elite type wide receiver guys running around in the league, and Navy just doesn't have that. So I like SMU to bounce back defensively. I think if they hold them to right around 28, 32 points, that should be plenty for SMU to win by. Um, I, I like SMU to come out ready to go, blood's in the water. This is an SMU team that has kind of been disrespected a little bit in the in the rankings, certainly. And and while Navy's going to play really, really hard to send these seniors out, SMU's got a lot of them on the line and they have some seniors that they want to send out very well at, uh, in the same respect. And and none of that happens without a win at Navy. So I like SMU to go in and get the win uh, probably 42-28 is, is what I'm going to call, maybe 42-31. Um, but overall, I like SMU's chances. I like what they're going to be able to do offensively against Navy, and, and people kind of keep doubting this offense from time to time, and, and but they just haven't slowed down. And so honestly, rain or shine, there's no reason for me to doubt them now. I'm picking SMU uh, 42-31 and, and, and you know, moving on to a 10-win season and then setting up potentially a AAC West type of uh, championship game for SMU uh, against Tulane where, where they're able to, to clinch an AAC West title depending on what happens. Against Memphis and Cincinnati, you know the the night before that game, um, which is which is uh, you know we're gonna find out when SMU plays Tulane shortly after SMU wraps things up with Navy on Saturday. But Saturday, two thirty Central, CBS Sportsnet, SMU takes on Navy, looking to win uh, the second straight game against the midshipmen for I uh, for the first time since the nineteen sixties when when Hayden Fry was was running SMU's program. So. With that, guys, that's going to wrap up this portion of the podcast. Next, we're going to hear from Coach Kevin Hudson, and that'll be it on the Pony Stampede podcast uh, for this edition. Don't forget, later on in the week, when we take your subscriber questions and kind of do a little bit more of a recruiting angle with, with the pod as well, we're going to hear from men's tennis coach Grant Chen, who uh, just locked up two signees during the early signing period and um, you know, spent a few minutes with us talking about his program and, and doing all of that. So, be sure to tune in on Friday to the podcast. We'll drop that one, but uh, I hope you guys enjoy this interview with with uh, men's soccer coach Kevin Hudson. Again, SMU takes on the winner of NC State and or Coastal Carolina uh, on Sunday, November twenty fourth at seven p.m. at West Field. So hope you guys enjoy this interview, and we'll be right back with that on the other side of the break from the Pony Stampede podcast. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm joined now by men's soccer head coach Kevin Hudson. Took over the program in 2015. Now has SMU as the eighth seed in the 2019 NCAA tournament. And joining us now on the podcast is coach Kevin Hudson. Thanks for the time, coach. I'm sure this is a, a busy time for you as you guys are preparing for your first round game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, but thrilled to be on, Um and it's a uh, it's always an exciting time of year for sure.
0: And and you guys are are, are getting really ready to play that that uh that round of a uh, of thirty two game, and and you guys will face either NC State or Coastal Carolina. And and look, when you guys are probably happy, you guys have the bye. Of course, how difficult is it right now to to prepare for two opponents and and kind of spend that type of energy on that?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, we took. You know we won the league tournament on on Saturday, traveled back Sunday. The boys were off Monday and Tuesday. You know, at this point in the year, the most most important thing is is rest and recovery. Um, you know, I don't think extra training or getting out of our normal rhythm would would do us any benefit. So give them a couple of days off. Um, they got back to school and and settled back into that normal routine um we train today we'll train tomorrow and then we'll figure out tomorrow night who the opponent is so um at this point it's it's more general training on us and what we've uh what we need to clean up from the performances last week um and then we'll focus on the opponent friday and saturday
0: and what are some of those things that you want to see cleaned up as you guys get ready for the tournament
1: yeah i mean we just need to be a little better um you know a little more organized in the back um You know, we gave away a few chances that maybe we shouldn't have in those two games um, in the conference tournament. Um, And then we just need to be a little more clinical uh, in front of goal in the final third. And then, obviously, at this time of year, set plays and penalties and all that stuff comes into play.
0: And for you guys leading the country in goal differential, second in scoring offense, 58 goals on the year. You guys have had an incredible offensive year rewriting the AAC record book. What has this what has allowed this offense to come together like that in, in such a way that I mean, is on a, a historic pace.
1: Um, the key is recruiting good players. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we will hopefully put those guys in positions and, um, you know, allow them to express themselves and enjoy, uh, enjoy themselves in the attacking third. um, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, not clog their head with ideas. Or, you know, we have a few special players that that play in the attack. And, um, you know, the best thing sometimes that we can do is, you know, continue to give them ideas and facilitate getting the ball in dangerous spots. But once the ball's in dangerous spots, you got to let a special player be special. So, um, stay out of the way. Sometimes for us is the key for us is really. F- Finding the ball into the right players in the right position, and then you know, trust those guys to to do what they do in, in those moments.
0: And, and two of your your best, Garrett McLaughlin and and Eddie Manjomo, leading your team in in points, top two point getters. But more importantly, I would say as you get to NCAA tournament time, leading the team six and three game winning goals on the season. They're seniors. This is this is when you you probably want your seniors to come in the clutch and and step up like they have all year.
1: yeah, I mean those are those are both big time players for us. Um, you know, Garrett's I mean, he's on fifteen goals, which is a, a really good return. He's back into the form he was in as a sophomore. Um, Ed's goal output is is very unique for an outside back. Um, you know, we think he's the best outside back in the country. Um, it has a bright future at the. At both of those guys actually at, at the professional level when they're done here, they both graduate in December and you know graduate a semester early and will have a chance to, you know, to play in MLS. So we're excited about that. And you know we got a couple guys who play underneath them and you know Gabriel Costa and Canute Allender that um, can really set the table. So um, it's a pretty. Dynamic attack and there's a handful of other guys that that contribute as well. So um, not just one guy that an opponent can can key on. You know, there are several guys that can hurt you.
0: And and how for for those that maybe don't follow soccer as as you know, religiously as others how do you guys approach the goaltending in, in the tournament? Is it somewhere where you want to ride the hot hand? Do you have a a particular guy that you're going to lean on? Because you, you got two great goaltenders that, that have have won a lot of games. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. So, you know, Grant McAuliffe is, is, is the number one goalkeeper for us. Um, he's, uh, was, was ill early in the year. Um, he got sick and then, uh, our, our number two is a guy named Shane Lanson came in and, and did a wonderful job, um, you know, and, and he is the future of what SMU soccer will be from a goaltending perspective. But, um, you know, Grant's the goalkeeper right now. Um, he's he is the number one. He's won the job back. Um, we trust him. You know, there's no there's no change. Grant's been the guy back in the net for I don't know, month and a half now. So um we're lucky we got two guys who we think are our top level goalkeepers. So um yeah, I mean that's that's where it sits right now.
0: And and looking ahead to the two opponents, do you have you have you studied NC State and, and Coastal much? I mean what are the two differences that you can kind of you know point out between the two teams in, in terms of what they will, will bring whoever whoever you guys do end up facing?
1: Yeah, I mean we've I mean, obviously the, the analysis has begun as soon as the draw came out. Um yeah, I mean they're they're vastly different opponents. Um you know, NC State is you know, the shape of the team is different. Um NC State's system is different than uh than Coastal's. Um, you know, the type, the way they want to play the game's a bit different as well. Um, you know, but but both are our quality sides and, um, you know, Coastal won their league to get in here at, at, at the end. And um, NC State got in on the, the quality of their uh, their performance, um, you know, and the record in the in the ACC. So, um, yeah, both both are unique challenges. And, you know, we're just anxious to find out which one we're
0: going to play. And those two teams play tomorrow uh, for that, that opening round matchup. They'll face SMU on Sunday, November 24th at 7 p.m. at Westcott Field. So keep on the lookout for who SMU will end up playing. But, Coach, finally, I just want to ask you, there's a lot of positivity going on around SMU athletics right now. A lot of facilities being built, uh, football teams winning. You guys are winning and, and have been for a long time. What it What is it like to be in athletics at SMU right now with, with what's going on?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a special time. Yeah. Um... I mean, this is this is a special place I mean I've been on this campus for and you know, I played here 2000 to 2004 and have been coaching here since 2007 so um, this this is home um, so I'm a little biased in my uh, you know love for SMU but um, yeah it's a very unique time the the camaraderie and the relationship between you know the the football staff and the soccer staff and women's soccer staff and you know all the way down in basketball staffs and volleyball is doing well and it, it can trickle all the way down. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good moment for, for SMU athletics and, you know, we're, uh, we're huge supporters of the other, uh, the other sports here. And we're all on pins and needles for how the football, uh, football team is going to finish up. Um, you know, those guys, I've, I've never seen the type of support that the the football staff and the, and the football team is actually given men's soccer. It's been, um, It's been remarkable. So we can't say enough to to those guys and and the thanks and, you know, the family atmosphere that they continue to bring to uh, to this department. So, um, yeah, we're thrilled to be a part of it and we're going to do our piece and go after a deep run here and, um, you know, hopefully the results fall our way and we'll have another call here in a little while.
0: Well, you guys deserve the support. Three straight AAC titles. Coach Kevin Hudson, thanks so much for joining the Pony Stampede podcast. And, and good luck on, on Sunday night.
1: Thanks so much.